Well, I have the great opportunity uh, to speak here in the next, this week and next week to you guys here in the main service as Paul gears up for his tractor pull. Uh, and I'm super excited about this because this has been on my mind uh, for quite a bit now. And today we're going to be talking, oh yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I'm not used to this. Paul does this every week. Kindergarten through third grade, you're dismissed. I should know that. <laughs> I have a great opportunity to speak here with you guys. This is something that I've been working through. We're going to be looking at why the church, the purpose of God's people meeting together, why is that important? And let's face it, today, this question probably comes up a lot. When you talk to people about Christ, when you invite them to church, I mean, Easter's right around the corner. You may hand out an invite to a friend or a coworker, and they might say back to you, "Why should I go? What's so important about church?" Maybe you've talked to Christians and they've responded back to you, "You know, well, I have church at home. I do it because I can listen to a pastor online. I can listen to a pastor on TV and preach. Isn't that church? I can let's." Well, teenagers today, right? I can plug in my music. I can listen to my own worship music at home and worship God there. Doesn't that substitute for church? And the answer to those questions are no. Today we're going to take a look at the purpose and design of the church. Why did God make the body of believers? Why did he design it? Why is it his body? Why is it his bride? And so what I want to do is answer these two questions, because I think these are key when they come up. There we go. What is the purpose of God's church? Why did God design it? But the second one, which is what a lot of people are asking today, is, is the church really still relevant? Is it really still needed today? Why do I need to go to church in 2017? Isn't that just an idea from back in, like, 60 A.D.? And so I want to discuss that with us because the interesting thing is the world's perspective toward the church has changed over the last few hundred thousand years, right? Since 60 AD up until now, the perspective toward the church has changed. Why we need it? What is it? How does it grow? And so what I found interesting was as I study and as I grow in my ministry, I read a lot. And the last couple books that I've read have been really outreach-focused. They've been about people outside of the church. And this one uh, comes from a George Barna survey about uh, people outside of the church. And what he did was he broke down the different generations and how many people responded that they were not a Christian. And the reason this is important is because, as you can see, throughout the generations, that number increases. So in 1945, down here, 1945 and earlier, only 28% of people claim not to be Christians, claim not to know Christ. Then when we get into the 1946-1964 era, the baby boomer generation, we saw that go up a bit, 7%. 35% of people claimed not to know who Christ was. Then you move up to the buster generation, 1965 to 1983. Again, that number grows to 40%. Then we get to my generation, 1984 to 2002. 
what some call the millennial generation, others call the mosaic generation. Again, that number increases. As time goes on, people are pulling further and further away from Christ. And when they pull further and further away from Christ, they pull further and further away from the reason and understanding of why the church is needed. And even in today's Christian culture, we see Christians who don't go to church because they say, well, I can just do it at home. I could grow more spiritually mature at home by myself than meeting with a bunch of people at a building. And let's face it, convenience has made that possible for them. It used to be you only had one church in the area. Now you have hundreds of churches in an area with thousands of different sermons online that you can listen to. Well, as the world pulls further and further away from Christ, let's, let's talk a little bit about the church and the unchurch. What does that look like for us? Well, what's interesting is 49% of people claim they are actively involved in church. What that means is that they go to church once a month. Okay, That's active for them. And then you have 8% who are minimally churched. People who show up for special events, Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. Maybe the, the church is holding a campaign series or something like that. So they go to that. But then the rest of the time, they don't really care. Then you have this number, the 33% here, which is the de-churched. It means that they were once active in the church. They were once a part of a local body. But they saw no need to continue. So they just dropped out completely. Or maybe their reason was, and I've heard this one, the church is just full of hypocrites, and I don't want to do that. Well, and then you have this 10% here. That is what's called purely unchurched. This is actually coming out more and more in my generation because there are people out there whose parents never saw a need to go to church or they dropped the church completely and never took their kids. And so the kids have never attended church. And this number is growing rapidly. In the next few years, we're going to see that increase. But all of this to say is, what is our perspective on the church? What is it supposed to be about? Why is it that people have stopped coming? Well, unfortunately, the church has given into this idea of what the world wants the church to be like. You see, the world says that the church is about entertainment. It's supposed to please you. You know, make sure that you go to a church with your style of music. Remember, the church is about you. And the world is trying to conform Christians to this idea. It's about you, what you can get from it. And unfortunately, in Scripture, I don't think we see that perspective a whole lot. We do see, as Paul had talked about last week, this idea of growing mature in Christ as together as believers. We are to do that individually, but we're going to see today that part of the purpose of the church is to grow together in this area. So we see a lot of people, they have a lot of different reasons for pulling away from the church. And we want to we ask ourselves, what was God's purpose for designing the church, creating the church, and do we still need the church today? People outside of here are going to want to know the answer to that question. If you don't understand God's purpose for his church, you'll never be able to answer that follow-up question. You'll never be able to tell them why the church is relevant for them. Now, again, church is not the most important thing. Don't get me wrong. I think church is important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is telling others about Christ and what he's done. 
But the church is part of God's purpose and design for believers to grow spiritually mature. So if you look in your bulletins, Mindy was nice enough to slide outlines into everyone's bulletins today, so you have an outline. What we're going to do is take a shotgun approach. It's going to be pretty widespread. We're going to look at a lot of different verses. They're on your papers. We're not going to touch them all. But we are going to look at a giant overview size of what the church is. So the first thing we need to understand is that the church in Scripture is the word ecclesia. All right? It's where we get our idea of ecclesiology, the study of the church or what is the church about. It simply means this, an assembly, a group of called out people. All right? And first Peter, I think, uses this really nice. He points to the ultimate goal of the church, which is that the church was designed to be a holy nation, a separated people from the world, in order to glorify God, to exalt Christ and what he's done. And then Ephesians 2.20, Paul follows this up and he says, look, in Christ, if you are found in Christ, you are united together as a body of believers and you're being built up stone by stone into a temple or to a church. You are being built up. And again, the ultimate purpose of the church is to always glorify and exalt Christ and what he's done for us. But there are other purposes, too, in Scripture that we kind of forget about. And so let's take a look at that. Number one on your fill-in-the-blanks is this, that it's building up other believers. Building up other believers. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Paul simply describes it, and he says, look, God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for ministry, to build up the body of Christ, that we can all attain unity and faith and knowledge in the Son, to mature manhood. So what's fun is last week Paul talked about spiritual growth without even realizing what I was talking on. And I think this is key. Part of the purpose of the church is to build all of the believers up into Christ so that we are mature. That we are growing. We are spiritual adults in him. And it simply doesn't just stop there. We grow up into Christ so that we can show love to others. Part of the purpose of the church is to build each other up in Christ so that we can go out and show the love of Christ to others. So that's the first purpose. The second one is this, worshiping God through song. We do this every Sunday, and I think Ephesians and Colossians points this out pretty well. Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When the church gathers together, when God's people gather together, worship, music, songs, celebration should come out of it. Why? Because there should be an element of thankfulness in our hearts for what Christ has done for us. How he's restored us into a right relationship with God through his death, through his sacrifice on the cross, and through his resurrection. I like this, Paul... Paul uh, <laughs> We had talked about this. When I first started coming eight years ago to Garden Chapel, one of the first things Paul taught on was worship. And what was funny was I was helping lead worship at my school, and this was a big concern to me. And one of the things that Paul had said, and he doesn't remember this, but it stood out into my mind, was that worshiping and praising God is the natural response to what God has done in our lives. And I, I think that's true. 
Because thankfulness should take root in our heart for what Christ has done, and that should just lead us to celebrate and sing out to God, to worship him in these songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Just as Will was saying, you know, we're thankful for the event, for what Christ has done for us. And so that's number two. Number three is fellowship with other believers. I think this is a real key point too. Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says here, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to breaking bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. The church started off with fellowship together, coming together to study, to learn, to pray. Why? Because I think it's a great reminder that we're not alone in this life, that we're not alone in our walks with Christ. We have brothers and sisters that we can rely upon, that can strengthen us, that can encourage us. We can be an encouragement to other people. And fellowship is part of that. When you come together as a group of believers, this should take place. And Romans makes it very clear, Romans 15, 5 through 7, together with one voice, you have a common goal, a single focus as believers. And what's unique here is the church, and I think this is by divine design, the church is able to unify completely because we all have the same focus, which is to exalt Christ. Unlike any other organization, club, or group out there, there always seems to be some disunity, not complete unity. But the church can be this way because we have one focus. That's to exalt and glorify Christ. The fourth one is accountability. Part of the purpose of the church is accountability. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Paul is talking about the church. Brothers, if any one of you is caught in transgression, let him who is spiritual restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Paul challenges and urges the church in Galatia to keep track and keep each other accountable, keep each other from slipping. In the Good News Service, we watched a real quick video of a man ice climbing. And unfortunately, the ice started to melt and he started to slip. And it was lucky that he had a group ahead of him that lowered a rope that he could tie to. Otherwise, he would have fallen to his death. The fact is, this is what Paul wants to get across. Other believers come together to keep each other accountable so we don't fall off into sin. So we don't get distracted, misled, led away from Christ. And then 1 Timothy 5.20, Paul urges Timothy, a pastor in Ephesus, to what? As for those who persist in sin, who will not turn away, he's talking to Christians who just want to do their own thing, rebuke them in the presence of all. Now this one we probably really don't like, but the fact was, Paul was saying the Christian life is serious. If you say that you're a Christian, live like a Christian. There's a deep spiritual truth for you, right? If you say you're a Christian, you're supposed to act like one. Paul says these Christians are not. They choose to be in sin. So tell everyone, rebuke them. Tell them they're wrong. That's not what they're supposed to do. So accountability is part of the purpose of the church. It helps us Keep each other accountable so that we stay on the path, stay on our way to Christ. 
keep our focus on him. Number five is teaching God's word. Number five is teaching God's word. We put out a survey just a few, uh, few weeks ago. I guess it's about a month and a half now. Uh, I had asked the question, what is the primary purpose of the church? If you, have taken, if you took the survey, thank you very much for your input. This, this question was meant to challenge you. I had actually a lot of people ask me about this because they said, well, there's, all these answers are, are pretty good. I said, yep, that's sort of true. There's actually four that were really good, two that were just wrong. Uh, but I wanted to see what people's perspectives was. And 53% of people who took the survey said the primary purpose of the church is to teach God's word. And I think that is true. The reason why is because if I don't teach God's word, if Paul doesn't teach God's word, if our small group leaders don't teach God's word, if our Sunday school teachers, our kids' teachers don't teach God's word, what are they teaching them? Where are they getting their instructions, their information from? I could stand up here all day and tell you what I think the church is about, but unless I'm teaching God's word and telling you what God has said about his church, about the design of his church, the purpose of his church, it really doesn't matter. It's just theory. It's just philosophy. The church has to be rooted in the teachings of Christ and the teachings of God's word. So we see here Acts 8, 4 through 5, when Christians get scattered because of persecution, they go out proclaiming or preaching the word. Philip, who is a servant, who had a ministry in serving bread to other people, when he leaves, he goes down and starts proclaiming to people Christ. He goes and he teaches the Ethiopian eunuch about Christ and how Isaiah relates to him. And then Hebrews 5.12 makes it very clear. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need baby food. Even though you ought to be teachers, again, growing mature in Christ should lead to something. We can't just stay at the infant stage. My son, who is about four and a half, five months, cannot stay a baby. He will continue to grow. And he's going to need more than just milk to grow stronger. Christians, you need more than just the basics. You can't just stay at the basics all your life. You have to move on. And the purpose of moving on and growing in Christ is so that you can go out and teach others about what God has taught you. And I think that's important. Now, you may not be a teacher. You may not be a preacher. You may not get a chance to stand up here. But that doesn't lessen the fact that you are to teach others. You have areas in your life where you can influence others for Christ. And you are to teach God's word to them. Number six is evangelism. Matthew 28, 19 and Acts 1, 8 makes it very clear. Go out into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We usually stop there, but I think the next part is key. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Not only do you make disciples by telling others about Christ, you show them and teach them how to live the Christian life. What is it that God wants you? What is it that Christ wants you to do with your life? Acts 1.8 says that you will be my witnesses. The church represents and declares the power of God to the world, the power of Christ, what he has done for us. We are to carry that message out to the world beyond these doors and these walls. Number seven is ministry and service. Acts 6, 1 through 7, we see the church start a ministry. It provides food for the widows. 
Unfortunately, the Hellenistic widows were getting left out of this. Only the Hebrew widows were getting taken care of. So the apostles got together and they said, hey, this is actually not our ministry. God has designed us to share his word with others. Let's pick godly men who God has appointed for this ministry and put them in place. And that's what they do. They say, hey, it's not right that we should, what, give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. That's not what God had called the apostles, the disciples to do. We each have a different ministry here in the church. And God's church is to help minister and serve others. We see this in Galatians 5.13. He tells the church that through love you are to serve others. Your freedom that you find in Christ is not for you to do whatever you want. Not to sin, not to find yourself in the flesh, but in love to serve others. Because it's only in Christ in love that you can serve others. And the church is called to do this. And then number eight is care and counseling. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens, carry Put on your shoulder each other's burdens. Care for one another. Help each other throughout life. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, what? Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Sounds like care and counseling to me. Paul says, look, care for your brothers and sisters who are in Christ. Help them out. Bring them up. Encourage them. Lift them up. Bear their burdens. Now, all of this is to say the purpose of the church. God's church has been designed for a reason. God's church matters. And so what we want to do, if we understand the purpose of God's church, we then should be able to answer this question. And I wanted to make this question as realistic to you as possible. Not only is, why is the church needed today? But let me ask you this question. Why is Garden Chapel needed today? That should challenge you. In fact, I was talking to someone who, is, who called us about an advertising possibility, and this is what they said. Our, our group, we're going to ask you why people need your church. Why people need to go to your church. And that just struck me, because I hadn't thought about that thoroughly. And so I was thinking, I was like, well, we got music, we've got some really cool mission stuff, but yet that just seems superficial. That just seems like, oh, that's what we do. Why is it deeply that people need the church? So as I thought about that, I, I thought of five. Uh, there's more than five, so don't get me wrong. But I thought of five that could help us out. The first one is this one. True spiritual teaching and guidance, or guidance and teaching. The key reason is there is a lot of spiritual teaching and guidance out in the world, isn't there? It seems like everyone has advice on how to grow spiritually. And let's face it, almost 60% of the of the population outside of the church says that they are spiritual people. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I just, they always say I'm spiritual, okay? Tell me a little bit about that. I can't. Okay, well, that doesn't help me. True spiritual teaching and guidance can be found here at the church. Why? Because we root ourselves in God's word. It is from God that we receive our instructions and that we teach that, that to others. In counseling, me and Paul don't say our opinions. We say what God wants people to do. We can't force you to change. We can't force you to go one direction. You have to choose that for yourself. But our job is to present the truth of God's word and say, hey, here is one direction that God wants you to go. If you choose to go the opposite, though, here's what's going to happen. 
And the church, the body of believers, should be a source for true spiritual guidance in life. And especially for the world that's looking for direction, that's looking for a light to follow. We should be that. Number two is a training ground in accountability. I think Paul left, so I can pick on him now. Uh, I, I love this. The church should be a training ground. We are all gifted with spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities. All right? For me, I am gifted at teaching and preaching. I have a great passion for that. But my talents and abilities are actually music and art. Uh, most of you guys know I like to doodle. I like to draw. Your kids have probably told you about this in their classes. I draw their Bible characters, or I draw some event that has to do with the lesson. I use my gift and my talent to help teach kids. And so the church is a training ground where we can figure out how to mesh these two. For Paul, Paul is a teacher and a preacher. But guys, guess what his talent and ability is? If you look at his hands, you'll be able to find out pretty quickly. It's mechanics, right? You guys all know Paul loves to work with engines. He loves to play with tractors and stuff like that. I don't get it, but that's okay. He likes doing that stuff. And the cool thing is, at the church, he figured out a way to mesh the two. Garden tractor pools are a great opportunity for him to use his spiritual gift of teaching and preaching to impact the lives of people who would never come to church. And he combines that with his gifts and talents of mechanics. And so the church should be a safe place for us to learn to grow together and learn how to develop our spiritual gifts and our talents and our abilities into serve Christ. Now, the second part of that is accountability. When we gather together as a body of believers, we should be intent and focused on helping each other grow and helping each other stay on the correct path, stay on the path of righteousness. We should be able to encourage and help each other continue and to grow in Christ. Number three is this, a safe place to gather and recharge. It's a little bit different. I think the church is a great place to come back to when you're feeling down, when you're feeling hurt, when you're just feeling drained from life, to recharge and refocus with each other. Why? Because, again, we all have the same goal, to exalt Christ. And it's here that you can actually recharge and refresh yourself. Back when I started coming, I used to work at a hotel. Many of you guys know that. You know, Sunday was great for me. I focused on Christ. I, I, I grew. I felt like I was digging deep into God's word. Monday came along, and the pressures of life hit me. My job hit me. And it was just spiritually taxing. By Wednesday, I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want to treat people nicely anymore. They're anything but nice to me. But the fact is, the church is a safe place that I could always come back to and recharge and refocus. Because I knew as a Christian what I was called to do. And I knew as a Christian with other Christians, we were all focused on and dealing with the same thing. Life is tough. Life is rough. It can be draining some days. But I encourage you, as a group of believers, when we come together, there should be life here. There should be a time to recharge and focus. In fact, that goes into number four, which is to refocus on Christ. We take time, we come out to worship with each other so that we can all refocus on the God who has saved us. 
And then number five, to show the world the change that Christ can make in our life. The church is the physical expression of how Christ has changed us. If the world does not see Christ as important, it's because the church is failing somehow. Because they have a very real, physical example of how Christ can change people. But the fact of the matter is, if we're not living it out, they're not seeing that change. The church should be a place where we can show people the power that Christ has to change us. Galatians chapter 1, right? Paul tells the church, there is no power but the gospel of Christ. He says, look at the change that's happened in my life, and look at the change that's happened in other people's lives and in your life. It's not from the law. It is from Christ alone. And the church needs to be that physical example. So the assembly and gathering together of believers is still needed today for Christians to grow in Christ and to live out what God has called them to. The church is still needed. It helps believers grow in Christ and helps us to live out what God has called us to. However, if we choose not to gather together, if we don't see a need for it, we are not taking full advantage of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we're not contributing to the purpose and the mission of his church. I read that to Paul, and as we thought about that and pulled that apart, I thought, yeah, this is great. This is, this, that, that's wonderful. Because the fact is, when we find ourselves in Christ, we are united together with a bigger body. It's more than just us. We are not doing this alone. God has created a system to help believers grow together. And it's needed. You could only go so, so far on your own. I truly believe that. You talk about spiritual maturity. You want to grow into a spiritual adult in Christ? Continue to be with the body. Invest in the body. Follow God's purpose and design for the church. And I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to say that you will see growth like no other. So the one last challenge before we close here together today is this. Are you contributing to God's purpose for his church? Or are you contributing to the perspective that the world has and that some of the other Christians have that the church is no longer needed? That should be very serious in our minds. Which perspective are we doing? What are we contributing to? Are we serving God according to his ways, to his purpose? Or are we helping give more evidence to the world that the church isn't needed. And I pray that's not true. Let's all stand as we close in a word of prayer here today. Dearly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day. Lord, as we took a look at what your church is about, how you designed it, or what purpose you created it for, Lord, I pray that we will not forget that we are here to help serve one another, that we are helped to grow one another in you. Lord, help us not to forget that we are not doing this life alone, that we have brothers and sisters that we can rely upon, that we can go to, that we can confide in. Lord, I pray here for Garden Chapel that we will continue to see a need for the church to be needed in the area of Middletown and High Spire. Lord, I pray that we will continue to impact the world around us, that we will continue to influence others for Christ, Lord, I pray that we will not lose that light, that salt, 
that we're supposed to be to the world. Lord, I pray that you just help continue to grow us together as a body of believers, as a local congregation. Help us to continue to focus on you, to teach and rely upon your word. And Lord, I also pray that you just continue to bring life into us, to recharge us, because the world around us continues to push us down, to trouble us, to run us out. And Lord, we need a place to come back to. And I pray that as we gather together that you just continue to work your spirit in us and re-energize us so that we can go out and live for you in a world that is dark and dying. Lord, again, I do thank you for this time that we had to worship together, to be with one another and to encourage one another through the study of your word and through our songs and through the gifts of our ministry. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we go out from here today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And go with God.